Hi, you're listening to Activate Your Sparkle, the podcast that encourages you to be uniquely you, to get the professional, personal, and emotional life you want. Today, I'm here with Anne-Marie Jasinowski. She began her career with top secret security clearance, doing communications consulting for the federal government, working in a sensitive compartmented information facility, also known as a SCIF. Think no windows, no daylight, no connection to the outside world, to becoming a branding and design expert. Since entering the design world, she's worked her way from designer to art director at top tech and consumer startups in the Bay Area and beyond. Amory, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited for listeners to hear your story and to share a lot of laughs along the way, because this is a fun one. Let's dive right in. Okay, so you were working in a SCIF, consulting for the federal government, and feeling like not only were you literally in a box that you couldn't get out of during the day, um, but emotionally and mentally feeling very boxed in, feeling like you were spending your time and energy on something that just was not aligned for you. So tell us about that thought process and that progression in making a big change and ultimately landing in design and branding. But, you know, how did you get from A to B? Sure. Well, first of all, can you imagine being a 25-year-old without your cell phone from nine to five? It was terrible. I missed so many important text messages. Um, Yeah, the thought process, it was cumulative. It was over time. I grew up in Washington, D.C. to two parents who are very politically active, both government lobbyists. So I didn't have a framework to think about this type of career. And so I had to just start to dip my toe into the world. And it was always kind of this fun hobby extra thing like, oh, Amory's in taking classes at night um, at the Corcoran, which is a museum here in Washington, former museum. Or I started a blog called Typeface Tuesdays, where I was really passionate about types, really didn't frankly know anything about it. And I'm telling people out in the world on this blog, like, hey, this type's great and this type's not. But I think that that I just had to have the confidence, which is part of um, a strength of mine, to just put myself out there and just to try to get into, I guess, fake it till I make it and get familiar with the world of design. This was pre-Instagram, so there were no awesome design influencers or people outside of my bubble I could really look to as as mentors or, um, you know, some sort of North Star as to what I wanted. So it was truly over, I think, a 10-year period, uh, maybe a little less, give or take. And I did start researching beyond just taking these night classes. I researched what it took to go to art school. And I knew, I think what I really knew is it had to be this solitary time. I needed to extract myself from this side hustle setup and really just devote, like really focus. So I built a portfolio, applied to a bunch of schools ultimately landed on MICA, Maryland Institute College of Art, basically in our backyard from DC. It's over in Baltimore. And that I got in somehow with this sort of piece together portfolio. And that was the beginning. Saying that you were going to art school, you know, making the shift from federal government consulting, I imagine is a statement that surprised a lot of people. So I'd love to hear more about what people close to you thought, friends, family, significant others, colleagues. Absolutely. Tell us about that reaction. Absolutely. It was met with a lot of shock. 
and ultimately support. The folks that I worked with in consulting by and large, so like people I reported to and such, people that were really deeply into that world, I really think they believed I was going crazy or I was just like extremely burnt out and like, oh, she just she's just really throwing in the towel here and wants to do something totally different. And then my parents, they were not clear what it meant for me to change careers and go into design. They thought of it as art and they didn't see how art would make a living, how I'd make a living out of it. So it was an exercise in just educating them on the possibilities and like, here's how much a designer can make and how, how they can contribute to the business world. Design is very important in business and brand. And then I did have a boyfriend who teased me about it. He, as I was sort of leading up to this big shift and leaving my work, which I did go part-time and I recommend to people that was a good setup. So I could like work on my portfolio and start to make that transition. But he, he teased, he's like, Oh, you're going to go to art school. And, um, you know, I just thought he, it's very short-sighted of him because what, what now I'm like an art director in San Francisco. So I'd like to call him up and just, you know, kind of let him know how I'm doing. <laughs> um, but, but ultimately it was the best decision I made to like do something that was scary and different. And I think that why, why I was so confident and why I just kept meeting people back with like, Hey, actually, I'm pretty sure this is what I want was because I knew in my heart of hearts, this is what I wanted. It was just um, so instinctual for me. And the more I researched and saw, learned how graduates from MICA went on to have careers, it just made it more tangible for me and clear like, hey, I want to be um, you know, in a position like that person. So it was a, it was a journey. So then when you went to MICA, you went full-time, you moved to Baltimore, right? And then after school, you moved to San Francisco? Yeah, I moved to Oakland and I, I worked in Oakland for a while and then San Francisco. So I'd love to hear more about how did physically moving impact your personal growth and alignment with what you were trying to do? Sure. By the way, when you were describing my move and I was just reflecting on that, it gave me goosebumps. Like, oh my gosh, I remember packing up the U-Haul with my father and, and looking at my amazing brownstone apartment I was sharing with a friend at the time in D.C. and saying like, wow, I'm really feel this like because I was leaving a great situation I was leaving a great job and a life and career many people just continue to grow in and just deciding to make that 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 180 and still feeling really confident about it so it's just it it gives me goosebumps um I think if you that's a good litmus test folks um so I went to Baltimore and I really think that the physical DC and Baltimore are quite different and to have that physical separation from the environment I had been in Washington was so tremendously helpful for this shift. I was able to to not only focus on Micah, but also start to fully embrace this other side to me that maybe I was a little bit ashamed of or not leaning into totally. I, in fact started going by a different version of my name um not in a creepy way I just I have a big name my name's Anne-Marie 
And I started using AMJ, which to this day, it's basically been um, my moniker since I've been in design. And to this day, that's what folks call me. So I, I got to create a whole new community of people or, you know, surround myself around a new community. That was huge. And I think just having that time and space in Baltimore to really be Anne-Marie as a designer helped me make that shift. So it was, it was really a beautiful time. It's interesting because it almost feels like there was a clear demarcation of old Anne-Marie federal government consultant to new Anne-Marie, or I should say new AMJ. AMJ. Graphic design and branding extraordinaire. And I'm wondering, how did you, and and even to this day, so it's, I mean, it's been what, like 10 or so years since you made that change? I I just don't want time to go so fast. Um, It's been since 2012 that I went and made that move to Baltimore. And then I graduated in 2014. So give or take a few years. So coming up on 10 years of having made this pretty significant change, what do you see now in terms of melding the past and the present in terms of people who have known you from day one, um, friends that you grew up with, your family, and then the friends that you've made, the colleagues that you've had in this new branding and design world? For people who are out there thinking like, how, how could I do this, like, I'm basically changing my identity or maybe it feels like you are. Maybe it feels like you're not. I don't know. I'm curious to hear from you. Like how has that gone with the past and the present? I, I think that the ultimately my belief is ultimately if you follow a path that's true to your, your identity that involves following your heart, those that really love you, those in your life are going to embrace it. They're going to get past the shock. They're going to see that you're truly happy. And it's when when you're happy, others are happy around you. So I think it was the initial shock value that was maybe tricky to navigate. But it was ultimately easy to sort of bring these two worlds together. And so far as whoever I was spending time with were just people that wanted me to be happy. It got a little tricky because I decided to move across the country. So then (laughs) you're physically not able to see um, those that you, you know, the people in DC or Baltimore, I wasn't physically able to see them. Interestingly, because of how much design has been a boom, especially with tech, a lot of my fellow graduates are now in the Bay Area as well. I probably overthought it. I think the person who's going through the transformation, like the reality is we all want acceptance. So I think I was probably more hyper-focused on do do I fit in here versus there? And like, who who am I? But it didn't actually really change who I was. And I think a lot of people in D.C., I don't know if it was stated or if it's just more implied, but I felt like they kind of all like, this seems like a way better fit for you. Like, what were you doing? You know, Um, I think that was sort of a resounding theme that came out. And so that goes to show. And I think that's another great litmus test for activating your true sparkle is that people you're ultimately very happy. People around you feel that energy and happiness and that they're really like, wow, this seems like you seem like you're in your element. And that 
it's like, in fact, a really good example too of how I know I'm in my element is it's been easy for me to build a career in design. It has not been, it's been relatively effortless. It's competitive in the Bay Area and I've been able to hold my own and it's not because I have a master's. Like people aren't like, oh wow, you got a master's in design. It's, they're looking at my portfolio and it's, it's my enthusiasm about design. It's the communications background brought together with design. So I'm bringing an extra layer of um, value. And that's another thing I'd like to emphasize is don't just throw away what you previously did. Figure out ways to bring together a larger picture of uh, who you are as a professional. And I lean on my background in communications and consulting every day. And um, what I found is, especially working in organizations that don't necessarily have Um, budget for project managers, I typically will wear that hat and I'm really good at that because I had that experience. So um, don't, don't necessarily think that what you previously did can't apply to what you're currently doing. I totally agree with you that people who care about you and people who want your happiness are happy when you find the thing that is right for you. And I would also offer for the people who care about you, who find it difficult to be happy for you or who you don't feel like you're being well-received by and and it makes you feel maybe uncertain about what you're doing or at the very least some sense of rejection of like this person who cares about me isn't responding to what I care about. Uh, I would offer that those people are people who need to do their own work, Um, that it's not something that should be internalized and and taken on by you in terms of what your decision making is and what's right for you. I agree a hundred percent. I think taking a leap of faith and you talk to any entrepreneur, you talk to anybody who's made a big move in life and big moves give you big rewards, they'll tell you that filtering out, just blocking out the noise is one of the most crucial things you can do. Easier said than done, of course, but I agree. Those easier said than done things. It's but they really are so important. Um, it's an everyday practice. It's an everyday practice of reminding yourself of like, hey, I'm doing this because of it's true to who I am. Um, what is your everyday practice for you personally? Well, I more recently have gotten into meditation, so that's an everyday practice in slowing down and focusing on my breath. My point is that anything that's worthwhile in life, I do believe takes work and it takes time often, like the most worthwhile things that aren't just instant gratification. And so the practice, what my practice is, is just keeping a mindset of keep moving, keep working on what you love. Um, That's the practice is like, I'll have moments even to this day where I'm like, oh shoot, like I don't, know this thing in design or there are these people that are more famous than me and like I even get caught up in that and the practices to keep having this mindset of just going to keep working at it and it's going to keep to keep growing and I'm just going to be really positive about it it's not just one thing it's kind of a collection of of things that build up to a mindset I'm right there with you uh I also have gotten very into meditation and I hear people say, well, it's so hard. It's so hard to sit there silently and quietly. And so I only like guided meditations. And I think, you know, first of all, start somewhere. Um, Guided meditations can be great. But also I think breaking down meditation, it's the true practice of meditation. But then it's also just 
looking at it as a moment, you know, take five minutes out of your day and just sit quietly and reflect on how your day is going, the things that you're thinking about in that moment, how to prioritize whatever something might be, how to think about your life in a bigger picture. I have one client who spends 10 to 15 minutes a day reflecting on their life, big picture, thinking, am I going in the direction that I want to be going? Am I doing the things today that are going to bring me to where I want to be tomorrow? That's the the takeaway. It's a pause. And for me, being a bit of a frenetic person, I realize that the pause is hard for me, not because I'm afraid to face it or what what's to face there. It's more, I want to keep going. I want to keep going. And I just told you, I love this mentality of like, keep moving. But I do agree. Maybe my mantra is more like keep moving, but also find moments to pause so that you can ensure that the direction you're moving in is not just reactive, but intentional. I couldn't have said it better. Before we started recording, we chit-chatted a little bit. And you mentioned that you actually worked with a coach early on in your design career. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about how that went and what really helped you from that process. Sure. So being the self-driven person I am, I wanted to make sure I was moving forward intentionally. And frankly, after my first job in the Bay Area as a designer, I didn't actually know how to then repeat what I had done with this job and like put it together in a resume in a way that was well articulated. I just had basically gone from art school, which was really intense, and then gone to a startup environment, which was a lot of work. And I was this sole designer. So I had just done a lot of things, but didn't know how to package it and wasn't sure what type of designer I was going to be. Because those of you that don't know the you know visual design field, it's so many things. It's product design, it's marketing design, it's brand design and everything in between. So I met with a career coach named Gretchen. What up, Gretchen? And I ended up naming, interestingly, we named our sessions with that same metaphor of the box. It was called out of the box. And I still have a Dropbox folder of all the work I did with her called Out of the Box, and it kind of warms my heart when I see it. So it was just like talking about like where I'd come from and where I wanted to go and my confusion around what type of designer did I want to be. I think that's just a great example of like this notion of your work. It's always you're building on top of what you've done before, and there's no like ultimate destination. Like it's not like I had my first job in design. It was like I've made it. You know, you got to keep sort of reflecting and deciding how you're going to move forward. And so I was definitely in a, in a bit of a conundrum because I had not stopped. I had, was not meditating then. And so she just really helped me unpack it. She helped me unpack what have you done? What was good? What was bad? And then after some talk sessions, we ended up focusing in on, she wouldn't let me start with the resume. So then, then she's like, okay, now you're ready we now can see the jobs you're interested in targeting. Okay, now we can start to figure out how are you going to target yourself? How are you going to look like you are a good fit for that environment? And that was a really helpful process. I don't even think I actually ended up ultimately pivoting right away. It kind of, it actually showed me some gaps I had. I realized the job I had, I still had a few things I needed to to work on, but it was tremendously helpful work. I highly recommend it. And I, I I would run into her in Oakland at the karaoke uh, bar that did karaoke, and we had like the best times in karaoke. What's your go-to karaoke song? 
I actually hate karaoke. Uh, <laughs> this was another boyfriend who really liked karaoke, and I liked the ambiance and the, you know, the little shoulder shimmies and getting drinks and seeing friends. But if I had to do one, I'd probably pick like a duet. But I, I it's like a team sport. I go for all the other bennies of a karaoke environment, not the actual singing. But folks, you should never. It's it's a good practice, actually, especially if you're in design, to do sort of improv type of um, creative things. So I'm, I think it's good to get out of the box, even socially. So I do force myself to do things that scare me. Well, beyond just people in design, I, I actually do that with a lot of my clients in my coaching practice. Sometimes I'll have them stand up and do embodiment exercises or do kind of wacky things. And for people who are used to, you know, the more buttoned up corporate world, they're like, wait, what's happening? But afterwards, it always has the biggest impact. Even months later, when I ask them something, you know, we're we're recapping on what have you learned over the last several months? And that oftentimes will be that moment where they really just tried something different. They, They did this embodiment exercise that stayed with them. Yeah. And, and I should, I should say I'm a, big believer that everybody's creative. I mean, think about where we all start as kids drawing and acting and playing. Um, I've seen it in every single person in my family. I've seen it with you, Danielle, and creating this podcast and other things. So I would, I would say that um, it is well beyond um, the design field. And um, I want to try out those embodiment exercises with you. That's pretty cool. We can work together. <laughs> nice. What does activate your sparkle mean to you? So to me, it means having the confidence to really put yourself out there and do the thing that makes your heart sing. And it can be anything. It means like really being in possession of yourself. That is uh, something a close friend of mine said to me recently. He said, you are in possession of yourself. And I really sat with that and I thought like, yeah, like because everything's in a flow state. I my energy, my thinking, the way my body feels, um, activating your sparkle is essentially really leaning into that space and those things that you do that are absolutely true to who you are and just give you the most pleasure and doesn't mean there's not work involved, doesn't mean there's not gonna be adverse adversity along the way. But it's just that like guttural thing and then putting some like skin behind it, like having the confidence to like go put together a portfolio like I did. Like it's not just like thinking about it and saying like, "Ooh, one day when it's perfect, I'm going to go do this. Like it's a lot about abandoning perfection. My portfolio, if I could show it to you today, is really bad. Um and and that's not the point. The point is that um, I would have never been where I was if I hadn't just like put some stuff together that said enough about who I was where they could see the potential. I think a lot of times we get jobs, we get hired um, or we get um, into a program or whatever because there's a potential. Uh, that's the, f- the feedback I got. In fact, when I took that first job at Booz Allen, the job I work for federal government. I said, hey, why did I get this this job? I want to know. And he said, because you showed so much enthusiasm, a ton of potential, and an openness, just like a true openness to getting, getting the work done and learning. 
What you're saying about your portfolio being bad is something that I want to highlight because the great Marie Forleo says that if you can't look back on something that you created when you were first getting started and be embarrassed by it, then you're doing it wrong. And I think that is very aligned with what you're saying about just abandoning this idea of things having to be perfect. I mean, for me too. I Obviously, I'm loving our conversation right now. I'm sure five years from now, we'll both listen to this and be like, oh man. <laughs> Probably like a year from now. <laughs> Maybe two months from now, we'll listen to this and be like, oh, so many ways that we could make it better. But seriously, you know what I mean? It's like you have to try something. You have to put yourself out there. You yes. have to get comfortable with putting yourself out there in an imperfect way. Yes. And then get eventually. Get, get real comfy with that that fear and that little head, that little voice in the back of your head that's telling you otherwise and just, you know, keep on marching forward. Go for it. I like to say, own who you are. Go for it. Yeah. Your friend said it more eloquently, the possession of of self. You are in (laughs) possession of yourself. Yeah. Those are cool words. Very cool words. I do think too, that there, there is a sparkle. There is a literal sparkle when you are in that flow state, when you are energetically being true to who you are. There's a sparkle in the eye. There's a sparkle in the air. And so that is part of the litmus test. And I think really great branding on your behalf. Honestly, it's how the name came to be because I was in conversation with somebody who was really stepping into what was right for them. And we were kind of joking about, oh, you're, you're sparkling. You're so sparkly. And then I took that metaphor and I said, that's, it's so true. That sparkle, it really does come through when somebody is doing what's right for them. Absolutely. And some of us, we like our little sparkly bomber coats and we take it to the next level, but that is a true litmus test of um, being in your activation flow state. Amory, this has been so much fun. And I've really loved hearing both your journey, but also the thinking behind it and how you think about your own personal evolution, how you think about what does it mean to really activate your sparkle to have that flow, that ease. I I agree with you. I think when you, when things feel effortless, that is such a great litmus test for feeling like you're moving in the right direction. Um, But then also to take the time to be thoughtful about the direction that you're moving in. I say that thought without action and action without thought are both meaningless. One really can't exist without the other to get you to where you want to go. So I'll offer to our listeners a chance to ask you more in-depth Uh, up close and personal questions on a clubhouse session that will be scheduled at some point in the future. So stay tuned on that. Anytime. I'm open book and I love talking about all of this. So thank you again. To learn more, visit daniellegopin.com forward slash activate your sparkle. Follow the podcast now, share it with a friend and get the latest on Instagram by following me at Danielle Gopin. If you think you or someone you know should be a future guest, let us know. I look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, keep on activating your sparkle and getting what's yours. Love, Danielle.